Welcome, everybody, to Journey Wednesday Live. Thank you for joining us, wherever you may be. I'm with just the finest panel ever. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's scary. I don't even know if they're going to show up, but here they are, just in the nick of time. Everybody is here. So uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves real quick? I'm Last Minute Larry. I just <laughs> got on about 27 seconds ago, so uh, grateful to be alive. That's good. Yeah. Well, my name's Hi Grateful to be alive. My name's Dustin. Yeah. Hi Dustin. <laughs> how about how about you with the beard? Look at that beard right there. It's coming in. Yeah, nice. I'm I'm Jeff and man, I'm getting married soon. So pray for me. I'm trying to get well, the house ready, just like the bridegroom getting preparing a place. What are you trying to get ready? <laughs> I'm trying to get the laundry room and I got to do so many projects, you know, so I'm trying to, I'm doing, I'm already doing the honeydews before. Uh, before um, so. That was supposed to happen like four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're joining us here tonight, um, why don't you share the chat with uh, the whole World Wide Web? Um, because the things that we're going to be talking about tonight might just impact uh, one of your friends or family members, someone that, uh, that might be, you know, struggling or, or doing well. And, and this might just encourage them tonight. Cause we're going to be talking about some pretty interesting stuff, what to do when you are angry. And so there's a lot, a lot that uh, is going to be very applicable to, to what we have going on. We're just going to hang out a little bit more before we get into everything, but are, are you guys doing okay? Are you angry today? Are you, uh, are you happy? Are you sad? What, what are you feeling today? You won't like it when I'm angry. I turn a little green and this, I'm great. I'm with you guys. So that means I'm happy, right? This is why do you say it like that? Yeah. I have to sound convincing. All right. All right. It's been kind of an up and down day. One of my friends passed away. So it started off a little heavy, but got to hang out with a couple of you guys earlier and uh, just had a few bites with my family before I got on. And so right now I feel great. This morning was pretty heavy, though. A lot of emotion. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Bone Sizzle? I'm doing good, man. I'm on week two, drinking spring water only. <laughs> so I'm feeling great. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in our water that's not good for us. So um, yeah. natural spring water. And I've been sleeping. I literally have been sleeping so good. I've never, I don't even remember sleeping this good. And I don't know if it's the magnesium or whatever it is, but I'm sleeping or just the hydration, but I haven't slept like this in years. So, man, doing really good. Do we ask you, you about that sleep, Jeremy? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, Etta, our baby girl, she slept uh, till five o'clock in the morning last night. So, or this morning, five, she slept last night till five o'clock this morning, and that wow. was amazing. So, record breaker. And then at five, like Tara was was up. Apparently, I was I was sleeping too soundly. Uh, so I didn't have to do anything. So that was wonderful. Good times, right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's, hopefully yeah. she'll do it for the next 18 years, at least till five or six. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. But hey, let's get into everything tonight. Um, if you are joining us on the chat, do make sure to share it with your friends and family in the World Wide Web. And also let us know how you're doing. We want to find out how how things are in your world. We're on like day 140. 40 something of COVID uh, quarantine, lockdown, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, and so we are distanced still. But tonight we're going to talk about what do you do when you are angry? And so the first uh, question that I want to kind of toss around with you guys and uh, with our, our viewers on uh, the World Wide Web is if you could remove one emotion from your psyche, what would it be and why? So let's toss that around. Let's start you with you, uh, J-Rod. Yeah, I'm uh, obviously, uh, I, I, my anger and frustration would be definitely one. I haven't really shown it much in Camarillo in the last 18 years, but I mean, my family would say, yeah, I've gotten angry, but it's something that used to be a real ugly, like Dustin said, turn into green. And my psyche, you know, has been, you know, uh, not, uh, uh, not necessarily benefited from my anger. I was trying to say it correctly, but yeah, definitely I would want to get rid of that. That's something, and it leads to the frustration as you get older. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely would like to kind of remove that. All right. What about you, Dustin? What's that one emotion you'd want to remove from your psyche? You know, um, sadness, fear. Yeah. Anger. I'm going to go with humiliation, something a little different. <laughs> <laughs> that, that ties in so many things, actually. It causes fear. It causes self-doubt. Uh, pain. It causes all these different things. So I'm I'm done with humiliation then. All right. Yeah. Barnett. You know, I think for me, it would be feeling sorry for uh, yourself, right? I think that would be the one emotion I get rid of. I uh, just, I just think it's because it's so, um, you can, it just easily takes you to a place you don't want to be in, you know, and it stops you from from trying to make any kind of improvement or anything in your life, right? I always think there's there's hope, you know. And so that's that's the one emotion I would I would remove. And I just think, yeah, like for me personally. So you've got anger, we've got humiliation, and then I, I guess I would call that maybe like self self pity. Yeah, self pity. What do you uh, got? For me, I'd probably get rid of fear. I think that would be pretty wild. We actually have a friend um, who I don't know something's up with his brain. But he doesn't have like that impulse that triggers fear in in him, and so like he drops in on waves that are like way too, way too big and way too dangerous, and he just like has no fear. And I, I guess that gets him into a lot of trouble too. So I, I don't know. I guess fear. That's crazy. <laughs> Is he yeah. like nineteen or twenty? Because that happens to a lot of nineteen or twenty year olds. Also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in your mind, you never change, right? You never mm -hmm. age, but. Uh, Dustin, what, let's check in with the chat. What do, what do the people have to say? What what uh, would they remove from their one psyche? Of the, one of the big ones being put right now is anger. Uh, someone saying that it does not serve them well. In fact, that's Jim, who's like Oof. the nicest guy in the yeah. world. So, <laughs> Unless it's after 9 p.m. and he doesn't get his ice cream. Oh, yeah. You know? Seriously, he turns into something different after 9 without ice cream. So you got to yeah. love Jim. But it's an interesting thing because I think some of the nicest people that you see in the world also struggle with anger and they try not to show it, but it does rear its ugly head. Yeah. I'm yeah. also sorry. I'm also seeing depression being listed too. That's a, a big one that a lot of people actually have a lot of trouble dealing with. Yeah. Last, last week we talked a lot about um, lamenting and depression and, and sadness. And that's what's neat about the, the Psalms. And tonight, as we continue, we're going to take a look at, at Psalm 137, which is a classic uh, cursing Psalm. Like, wait, what? Cursing? I thought that, uh, 
I thought that that wasn't uh, what we were supposed to be talking about in church, you know, but it's a Psalm that happens to be so explicit. Like, I'm not even sure how it made it into the Bible, like the anger and the rage that is contained within these nine verses. Uh, it, it's so, so, uh, so just overflowing that it's like you can almost see the spit flying off of the psalmist's lips. It's it's Psalm 137, an infamous cursing psalm, also known as maybe you heard it before, uh, imprecatory psalms. It comes from like this place of pain and it lashes out in bitter anger, but it does so, which is very interesting. We're in the, the book of Psalms. It does so in the context of prayer. And so tonight we're going to explore what do you do when you're angry? So let's let's also toss that around before we get into Psalm 137. Dustin, what what do you do when you're angry? Um, I have <laughs> we'll get into this a little later how tough it's been for me to get rid of some of this anger. Um, I like to do whatever I can to exert myself of energy so I don't have anything left in me to continue being angry. So personally, I, if as soon as I get angry, uh, instead of letting it fester, I will just run as far as I can go, or I have a, a heavy bag in the garage and I will hit the heavy bag for a while. So this has been a public servant's announcement from your Hallmark pastor. Who do you put in the bag? That's my question. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, what are you doing with the bag? Well, Depends if it's heavy, is there the somebody day. in it? Yeah. Yeah. Just be careful or, uh, I'm taking <laughs> applications. <laughs> he's talking about mike tyson you're the next mike tyson right for the yeah. people who don't know what a heavy bag is next mike tyson to his face right there i was not that's why big man behind the screen this <laughs> is yeah, he was actually just in the chat and he left so thanks a yeah. lot bro mike Sorry, tyson mike. yeah what? i know Are you from, yeah Go ahead. I know, for, I know for me, uh, I like leaving the house and going, if I can, I'll go on a hike just because it helps me physically. It releases endorphins. It helps me mentally get into a different place and look at my surroundings. You know, they've been saying there's some, uh, you get these, um, I think negative ions, you know, being outside, being in nature, vitamin D, a lot of people are vitamin D deficient. So uh, getting the vitamin D, but also too, like looking at, uh, the scenery in the mountains, it kind of puts me in my place, right? I like, that's why I love about um, hiking or going in mountainous terrains. It just puts you, it puts things in perspective and shows you kind of your smallness in the world. And so that helps me. And I, I try to do that. I don't do it all the time, um, but that's one thing I, I like to do if I can. That's going to change pretty quickly after you get married when you can't run to the mountain and get yell at the top of your lung because it usually doesn't work that way as you add that extra person in your life yeah here's what i like to do is i like to scream in a pillow sometimes <laughs> i like to beat the pillow up sometimes uh my wife likes me to send me into a different room at some point um as i've been married i've had to learn to work with my anger and and, and how to process it differently i'm kind of one of these guys i got to get it done and deal with it Im immediately with anybody on the panel at home, I just got to handle it. And other people are completely different where like my wife and me are completely different. She needs 30 minutes to an hour minimum to process and come with a rational mindset. And I'm like, no, I've, I got to deal with it now immediately. And it, that's just my selfish way. So I've got to sometimes go and uh, scream in a pillow. I've got to 
you know, pray and, uh, you know, really pray and make this a moment of me being humble and, uh, you know, not making it about me. So, yeah, I mean, beat pillows up, man. I got some pretty well beaten pillows in my life and it, uh, it's a pretty healthy tool as well. They're not, they're not lumpy. I'm guessing. No, they're, they're, they're well done. They're <laughs> Dustin, I, I see a lot of stuff in the chat. What, what do you, uh, there are some, some great things. We also had a couple answers uh, lagging over from the last thing of what okay. they would get rid of. They have anxiety and depression, fear. So that leads into these different things, but we're keen in on this angry trend. And uh, Mary and Lydia each talk about uh, when they get angry, they tend to swear, which is a, I can agree with that. <laughs> um, the we, Hallmark pastor agrees with that? Yeah. I think he's talking about his wife. Are you talking about your oh, wife? Or are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> it's like, she's like a sailor, right? That's a, <laughs> this is, wow. Uh, Kyle, Sorry, Kyle goes the the same route that uh, Jeff Barnett goes. He takes a break from the situation, goes for exercise, or go for a walk. So I I love that same idea, just getting out and trying to use that energy for something else rather than you know getting really mad. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. Yeah. Well. As we're talking about Psalm 137 tonight, we're going to take a look at a classic cursing psalm. And like that that just seems weird, right? But last week we learned that, that psalms teach us that profound change happens always in the presence of God and how people who pray to God are people living in hope. But really, like with cursing psalms, it begs the question, like, how is this even possible? Cur cursing psalms, though, are actually a method uh, for bringing out our frustration in an honest and, and appropriate way before God. And, and what happens when we pray the imprecatory psalms or the cursing psalms, when we pray through the fiery words of these psalmists, our, our complaints, our frustrations are guided back to God in, in confidence. And then we realize that God can actually handle it. It actually can be a, a restorative and healthy act that that help to better ourselves and also the community as well if if they're used responsibly so well let's get to it uh psalm 137 verses one through four dustin is gonna kick us off with it uh let me share it so everyone can see here we go psalm 137 one through four all right besides the rivers of babylon we sat and wept as we thought of jerusalem now, this is just, I want to stop us right here and kind of paint this picture of these people weeping next to this river. So the people of Israel are now in exile in Babylon after this battle that just happened in Jerusalem. Uh, these people that are sitting here pretty much mourning have been captured and taken away from all that made them who they are. Uh, they were taken away from their families. Some family members were even killed in this battle. They were taken away from their children's. They lost friends in this process. They've lost their land. So they sat here weeping. Uh, they are now placed in this foreign land that is just unbeknownst to them. They don't understand anything about this land. They come in from somewhere from a desert and all this dryness and everything is new to them. So they, they used to be in God's city of Jerusalem. They used to be in the epicenter of everything. And now they sit in a place where they feel like they have no identity. So here we are at this point. And in verse 2, it says, We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. Now look how they respond at this. I'm going to break apart for another moment. 
they put their harps on tree branches. So in Psalms, we hear about this, this singing and this joyous songs. But here they were like, you know what? We're going to protest that. I'll use that word because that's what everybody's doing. And putting these harps on this branch and saying, we are not going to do this. This is not a time for singing or playing of music or celebrating. So it's, actually, like, it's like they're done. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's kind of like an athlete hanging up their, their cleats. You know? Yeah. They don't want anything to remind them of this thing. So they're like, you know what? I'm just going to put this up here. I'm done. I'm walking away because right now this is how I'm going to show myself. Isn't that how some of the people have we talked about on this responding from anger is saying, hey, I'm going to put some stuff up and kind of walk away and take a different direction on this. Right. Yeah, that's very true. So I can just imagine all these. So it's a weird look, all these stringed instruments just hanging on a tree. Uh, But as we go on. In verse three and four, it says, for our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. So sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? Now, as we kind of take this apart, the people that took everything from them, they just slaughtered their families, are now asking them, hey, why don't you sing a song for us at this moment? We've taken you from everything that you know. Why don't you just sing right now and just be so happy that you're here? Because look, what's all around you? This is a great place. Be happy that you've lost people you'll never, ever see again. But they're also taking away something huge from them by asking them to play a song. They're trying to take away their chance of mourning. They're trying to take away their chance of expressing themselves. Kind of what we're talking about, stepping away from it all and going a different direction by Telling them to play a song, they're saying, cover it up, move on, let's start looking at other things in life. So, yeah, it's like sarcastic and mocking, you know, it's what the captors are doing uh, to them, putting it like shoving it in their face. Sing us one of those songs of your homeland that's actually destroyed and rubble right now. Yeah. And if you you think about that, they're asking them to play these songs, not only in a sarcastic tone, but they're also saying, you know what, play these songs. And I just can't even imagine trying to sing one of these joyous celebration songs. Say they were able to even fake it and muster it up, and they're just reimagining all the good things that they had just lost and what they used to celebrate about. So every word would just come up with this brand new pain they'd have to feel as they were singing these songs. So everything's been destroyed. Everything's different. And here they are. How often do we say to people that are angry or frustrated, man, just get over it. Sing one of those songs. Go back to where you were. And it's not, like you said, Dustin, it's not easy to do. A lot of times, especially if we've had deep emotional pain, like we see these people that have gone from their homeland to being destroyed and displaced, you know, it's it's got trauma. And that one of the comments was anxiety. It leads to anxiety, anger and anxiety, because you don't have that safety and that comfort of home. I love it. Are you still with us, Bones? I'm still with you guys. (laughs) That's all right. We'll get get to you in just a second. But like for, for these exiles who are people who are enduring just tremendous hardship, there's nothing to do but sit there and weep. Like singing right now just seems out of the question for where they're at and what's going on. It's entirely the, the wrong time and place. They grieve what's going on. And we can hear, like Dustin was saying, the pain in their words, it increases in intensity with every single line. So let's, let's explore this a little bit more. Jeff, you talked about this morning. Um, somebody uh, passing away and and experiencing the family members left are experiencing some tremendous pain. What's something that you can say and do 
to help someone in tremendous pain. Let's let's start with you, Barnett. You haven't uh, you took a nap real quick. So. Yeah. Well, I like to tell people, you know, like um, you don't want to deny the pain. And I do see a lot of kind of Christian denial, you know, just, hey, you know, just sing a worship song or, hey, just, you know, we tell them all these things or, hey, just quote that Bible verse, you know, all things work together for good or all these things that we tell someone when really they need to do is mourn, right? All those things are true. They should worship. They should uh, hold on to the promises. But you can see that a lot of times. It's like we have this sense of uh, Christian denial or spiritual denial of the situation. Um, when hard things or what we see a lot of people do is they they kind of sit and marinate in it they embrace the pain and it just becomes a part of them and their story and it's really sad to see that you know when someone kind of just like they they just learn to live with the pain and it becomes their identity and so what I try to tell people is like hey um, neither don't don't embrace the pain and don't deny it but move through the pain right it's a reality it's just like uh, I was listening to a guy who's run multiple marathons and he's like, you know, there's a certain point in a marathon after 20 miles where you just hit the wall and everything hurts. But, you know, you just have to push through it. You just have to move through it because it's not going to last. Yeah, that yeah. happened to me on Monday when I was running. I hit the wall, but I just pushed through it. At, at 20 miles or was it 30 at that point? Uh, yeah. it, it was really about seven minutes into the first mile. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about you, J-Rod? What, what, what would you say? Well, I, it's funny what Jim said, because I was going to say the same exact thing, is Jeremy wrecked me a couple of years ago about this whole <laughs> platitude thing, because I've been giving platitudes my whole life, and Jeremy wrecked me uh, by not just giving, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. I've really had to change my vocabulary, because the truth is, if you're thinking about being in ministry and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be a pastor. One of the things I didn't realize a long time ago, especially maybe being in a leadership role, is how much death I would be a part of. It's just one of those things that I have been through so much with other people and even in my own family, a couple of deaths. And uh, it's it, I, I love what you were saying, Bones. It's like, you know, Jesus says, be happy when people are happy, sorrowful when they're sorry. You've got to match their pain. And I try not to fix it. I'm not there to fix. Only God can fix. And a lot of times we just sit in and don't give them that platitude, all oh, good things. And let's pray because he's in heaven or she's in heaven with Jesus. But just really be there for him. I've sat on the couch, uh, and, you know, with someone that's passed away and their family and just sat there with them and not said anything. And uh, it, it's an awkward place to be. You know, it's yeah. awkward. But it's a really uh, one of the things that I could say is I I love what uh, uh, Sylvia was saying. Just validate them. It hurts. You know, you'll get through it one day, I'm sure. But it's not going to be easy. How about about you, Dustin? Yeah, it's it's really just being there for the people. I I agree with what Sylvia was saying. Uh, You don't try to fix it. You pray with them. My biggest thing is I want people to know that any hour of the, the day or night, uh, I'm there for them. So, and not just the conventional ways of, you know, I'm here for you. Let's leave it alone. I try to initiate some things like, do you want to go pretty much what we start talking about earlier? Do you want to go for a run? Do you want to go punch things? Do you just want to talk about it? Do you want to cry? Uh, do we need some idea of what scriptures to go to, to point you in these different emotions you're going to be feeling? So I don't think there's any perfect thing you can ever say to someone except, you know what, I'm not 
leaving your side, I'm here for you. So you're stuck with me until we start to, to get through some of these griefs and, and mourning situations. I think sometimes we're just so afraid to actually say the truth and some, some things that are, are hard, just like validating like what Sylvia was saying, like, this sucks and I'm sorry that this is happening to you. Here, let me walk with you through it. It can be like one of the most powerful things you can do. I, I took a, a class in seminary called Grief, Loss, Death, and Dying. So it was always a, an, an upper type of a class. But like the, the one thing I especially remember from this, it, when people are experiencing hardship and pain, like, First, do no harm. And I think like Dustin, your wife's a nurse. I think that's like uh, the part of the, I don't know, Hippocratic Oath or whatever they call it. Uh, I think it's like the first thing that you want to do as a medical practitioner, as a nurse or whatever, is like, don't make the situation worse by what you're going to do. And so I think I always think about that when I go into those situations, like, like don't make it worse. See what you can do to improve and, and help. And sometimes you got to do some stuff that, that might be painful, but you know, bloodletting or one of the, one of the first, uh, (laughs) one of the first funerals that I did, and I've never done it since then. I got everybody really sad. You know, I'm a little bit of a weeping prophet kind of dude. And I got everybody just, and it was like the howling of, uh, you could hear in, uh, Barstow. And, uh, I said, man, I will never do that again. So I learned that the hard way, Jeremy, don't do any more harm because I just try pushed into the pain. Yeah, we don't need to make people feel the the pain more than they have to, you know, but grief and, and, and experiencing that is an important factor. But when it comes to these people in, in, uh, in Babylon right now, the Israelite exiles, they're, they're in tremendous pain. They're ripped from their homeland, their livelihood, everything. Their family members are slain in front of their eyes. It's too painful for them to, to remember Judah and Jerusalem, their home. But we come to verses five and six the love for home. Uh, so Jeff, if you would continue with this passage right here, verses five and six. Ah, oh, man, let me get it up on the screen for you. Sorry. The right. technology is coming right up. There we go. I love it. Yeah, it says this. Hold on one sec. Got to get to the full... If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget how we play the harp. And, you know, I love this, you know, a lot of times we get caught up into our life and we forget how things uh, work in our life, how we kind of, you know, we need to go back and reminisce. And I remember teaching golf a long time ago and I used to tell people, don't forget this because you're going to forget it in a couple of months. And they're like, oh, I'll never forget it. But we forget. And here you see that place where, um, you know, they're reminiscing about what Jerusalem looked like and what the good old days looked like and wishing that they had done things differently and they had fought differently and how I've left my harp. And then he says, may my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. And to me, this is an image of what I need to do in my life when I'm worshiping God is when I get into a place where my head is about ready to explode through frustration or anger or fear that I don't forget the goodness of God. I used to carry around these 10 attitudes of gratitude in my wallet and try and remember the good things. And it really kind of shows us 
what's going on with the Israelites as they've kind of been been held, taken captive. And now they're trying to remember the good days, the, the days, and they were kind of uh, um, focusing on what that looked like. And it reminds me of just some of the beautiful writings and things that we've grabbed from the Holocaust, the, the times of Holocaust is focusing on only God and God alone and remembering what it was like when they were at home and even just living in the ghetto. So that's a very interesting place to be. And one of the things that Psalms teach us is to deal with our emotions. I think, Jeremy, you said it very well is humans have emotions and we try and get into this Christian mindset that we're perfect. You know, I'm never angry. It's like, oh, it's God's plan. It's God's way. It's God's will. And the truth is, there's just some flat out times I'm angry and frustrated and I need to remember who God is. So, uh, you know, I look at this, make Jerusalem one of my greatest joys. I've been to Jerusalem. It's an awesome place. And uh, there's something there spiritually. And so I could see them kind of not wanting to forget the beauty of Jerusalem and all that it brought uh, forth as a, as a believer and uh, someone that uh, lived for the glory of God. So, like, as painful as it is for the people to remember their homeland, the place of the festivals, the, the, the promised land, it would actually be more painful for them not to remember. And, and that's an interesting idea that sometimes you got to actually go through what might be painful to actually experience hope during the, during the life of exile or hardship and pain. Say that again. Sometimes you have to go through the difficulty to experience the hope and life uh, during the pain and exile. I, I have you say that again because we don't like to believe that. No, no. You know, uh, you know, we especially through death. You've got to walk mm -hmm. through this and face your your fears of death and your issues with death to get to the other side. And I don't know if Barnett said something about if we don't, it ends up holding us captive for the rest of our life or it can, you know, I'm, I'm in a current situation with a family member that's 28 years into the grieving process and can't be get beyond the first part of it, which is mm -hmm. the sadness and anger, right? You don't, you're stuck. Yeah. What do you think, Barnett? Yeah, I heard something like, you know, if we bury our emotions alive, they'll always, they'll always will uh, come back to life, you know? in some way or another, you know, we have to deal with those things. It's as painful as, as it is, but I think a lot of people don't actually, um, I, and I didn't know there's like a grieving process and some steps to that. Mm -hmm. to like just the grieving process. I think the, the amazing part here is with, with that grief and with experiencing that going through the emotion there, the act of simply remembering means to actually recall God's faithfulness and God's place and God's ongoing purposes, even in difficult situations. And remembering is actually an act of, of resistance here in a foreign land. They couldn't sing that it was too, too challenging, but they could, and they, they must remember. And the hard part about remembering is that it can be painful because grief's always painful. Remembering it, it can be like unsettling, you know, but anger is always unsettling, but to remember and resist the same, but, but to remember, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I guess it was actually a choice to to live and to be faithful uh, to God and to to hope for life for all people. And it's actually it goes to to the heart of our Christian faith. Do this in remembrance of me. To remember Jesus's sacrifice and death. It's a painful ordeal, but remembering it, it there's hope because of the resurrection. 
I wanted but, to add a piece yeah. to it because uh, you said something really critical, and I'm hopeful that somebody's listening to it. Is is when we remember it and we go through the pain, the anxiety starts to slip away. One of the things that are our struggle in society today is anxiety. And a lot of it is because we're not willing to go through some of the pain to change and grow and go through grief or anger or divorce or depression or whatever. You know, Jeremy, I think you're, you're hitting something really powerful right now, which is we need to go through some of the pain and that will help us with our anxiety and our depression and uh, some of the other emotions that we don't like in ourselves because that comes up. You know what's crazy is that when I when I think about church when we're all together and everything it just seems like everyone has everything together. Do you guys ever feel like that? Like no one is suffering, no one's going through hardship, no one's going through pain or loss. I mean, you do see that at journey because it's a little different, but I feel like sometimes and maybe this is just uh just convicting in a sense, but it's like it seems like everyone's fine. That's one of the main things we we don't like to feel sorry for ourselves. So people will go and they don't want attention brought to themselves either. So every single time, let's say 80% of the time you go to church, how are you doing? Fine. Everything's fine. Like they don't want people to dig in their life and share some experiences of where they're actually lacking or they, people think of it as a weakness, uh, actually showing this, this vulnerability is now known as a weakness when it's something completely different. So I think we just cover things up so we, A, don't have to deal with it, or B, we we don't have to let other people think that we are struggling at all. But I'm personally, you know, I'll tell you that things aren't going as, as correctly and as well as planned. I have no problem with that. And I think we need to get in that right mindset to do so ourselves. Yeah, let's well, dig into it. What are your problems yeah. right now? Yeah, I got, <laughs> got this problem with my boss right now that's just... <laughs> That guy's a tool. <laughs> I was talking about Jesus, but uh, uh, well, uh, let's let's explore this a little bit more in question. Let's ask our, our friends in the chat too. When you're frustrated, how can the act of remembering be of value? Uh, that sounds like really like uh, technical, but basically, when you're angry, what things can you call to mind that help you to cool off or set you straight? Let's go with you, Barnett, first. You know, it's really it's really interesting the things that uh, you remember when you're in pain or if you're frustrated or, you know, like even uh, I'm doing marriage counseling with Jeff and just I wrote down the things I love about Vanessa, my fiance. And some of those things are valuable. And I even heard a, a pastor do this, but, you know, he would like if him and his wife are in a fight or he's just feeling resentful, he'll just like go back to some of the things that he wrote about her and why he he fell in love with her and why he he's, he chose to marry her and things of, of that nature. So remember, it can be very, very powerful, right, because it can like really strengthen a relationship. And that's what I, I see here is like they're remembering the covenant they had with God, they're remembering uh Jerusalem and those things and it can like in a sense like draw you near to that person even when in the moment you feel very distant yeah I want to piggyback off that it's when we have a chance to remember uh, you actually get to see the whole picture sometimes because you can get so you know, let's just say pissed off at a moment or so frustrated that you lose focus of everything and then when you actually get a chance to sit back and remember it some things, you actually begin to see the whole sphere that's surrounding it of the goodness that's around her, what Barnett's talking about. There were some key moments that 
from that frustration that were actually good that you've completely missed now. You've taken it out of the picture, all the good things, because you're just focusing on this one bad thing that's happened and you're covering everything else up when there's actually ways that you can grow and learn from it. So I think remembering gives us a chance to, number one, you have to sit back to remember. You have to take yourself back to, to kind of look back and see what happened. So number one, you're slowing down life and then you really get to peel back the layers. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when uh, I got Zeke drawing on the walls and I was like so frustrated because I'm like, dude, I painted these walls. I, you know, primed them, painted them like multiple coats and it like looks so nice. And then he just like draws on the walls and it was like, all right, let's step back. Let's remember he's like two years old. And then let's also step back and remember like he's going to remember this and and what are we going to do? And so I, I put a, a plaque on it and and put it for like, you know, uh, $5,000. And I, I titled the, uh, I titled the, uh, whatever the, the artwork that he, he made. And so it's just like having fun with that and not getting frustrated, remembering like, Hey, this is the situation. So, you know, we, we touch on this emotional experience of the, the exiles so far, uh, sorrow, grief, loss, and then a, a touch of frustration, but we're about to see in the Psalm, the anger just explode. So let, let's talk a little bit more about anger. And I think this is an interesting question to explore. How would you define anger? How would you define it in, in a simple, simple phrase? Go ahead, J-Rob. Uh, just a feeling of overwhelming, you know, irritation, annoyance, and frustration. Just this volcano of emotions that and for some people, including myself at times, uncontrollable. What do you think, Dustin? Um, just this feeling of upset and unrest, uh, something that's, you know, been wronged in the past or something that's been done, but just definitely feeling upset. Barnett? Yeah, for me, it's like when you reach, I like that picture. It's like you, you're like, you reach the boiling point, right? And things are about to spill over if you don't do something with that. I, I think anger is simply like just something is preventing us from what we want. And so there's this feeling that emerges because of this obstacle that gets put in our way and it annoys us, right? It, it frustrates us. Uh, what, what are you, uh, the people in the chat have to say? Dustin, let's check in. Yeah, I want to key in on what Mary said, talking about our, our last talk. Um, how do we look back and see these frustrations? And she was keying in on what you were saying at the end. Remember what God has already done and is doing in our lives. I think that's the best way what you're saying, putting our faith into action and taking a step back and looking at it. So I love that part. What else? Looks like Jim uh, said something too, right? Oh, no, that was you. You, you commented in the chat. I That's commented. <laughs> I really liked my point. So if I you say did? something, Dustin said a deep feeling of being upset. So I got to upvote that. That was a good one. Yeah. I think <laughs> whenever I think of anger, I always think of like fire. Uh, because I guess that's what happens inside of you. Uh, it feels yeah. like your blood's boiling. It feels like you're, you're you're getting heated up and stuff. So uh, you asked for him, and, and then he dropped knowledge. Jim says, "Oh, thank you." When an adult displays anger, it's just like an infant having a tantrum. Boom. Yeah, I have a lot of tantrums. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. What, what's your tantrum face look like? What's your angry face look like? Like that, it's the same face. It's the same, same face. face. No, it's not. It's the same exact face. We yeah. know, dude. Yeah, we've seen it before. 
We and know. That looked like Sawyer's face too. Yeah. At that, yeah. point, dude, that was exactly what Sawyer. Would do. <laughs> Dustin has so many expressions. Let's look at this one right there, and then uh, close your mouth. Yep, there we go. There's the other one. <laughs> Those That's are the it. two emotions Dustin has. Yeah, <laughs> I love your angered look, Jeremy. That's a good one, dude. It's yeah. like the rock. The rock. Yeah, it was funny because uh, with two kids, I don't know how people do it with two kids. I can hardly do it. But like when one of them starts crying, then the other one starts crying. And Zeke just is taking after Etta, who's just like this newborn, two month year old. And so today I had to tell him like, hey, like stop throwing fits. No, no throwing fits. And he thinks it's like some object or something. So he just keeps telling me like, like, no, no, throw fits. Just, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand it, man. But let's move on now to a, a lovely section of uh, of the psalm. This is what makes it the cursing psalm here: hatred for enemies. Psalm one thirty seven, verses seven through nine. But but first, let me explain just a little bit um, as we move forward here. The, the people they're defining their anger. They're doing what we just did. They're they're putting a face to the name and a name to the face of their frustration. As shocking as it, it will get here, let's just remember that they're bringing out their frustration and in a very honest and appropriate way. It's before God and God can take it and guide this anger back to restoration and confidence. So here we go. Hatred for enemies, uh, Psalm 137, seven through nine. All right. It says, Oh Lord, remember what the Edomites did. On the day the armies of Babylon captured Jerusalem. This is referring to Edom, the Edomites. They're uh, Judah's neighbors to the southeast. I think they originated from Esau. Is that correct? Or Yeah. From Esau. So really, like, they're related. And yet they're kind of, they're egging on Babylon to completely destroy and, and level Jerusalem. They're, like, enjoying it. And I don't know about you guys. I was just trying to think of, like, times or things where, you were like at a low point in your life and someone was there to like kick you while you're down, right? Doesn't that just like infuriate you? Doesn't that just like throw salt on the wound? I think of like David when he was ousted by Absalom, his son, and there was a man, I forget his name, but he was just throwing rocks at David and cursing him just in a, in a way, like just putting salt into that wound. I don't know why this is a reality, but there's always those who love to, to kick you uh, when you're down, who love to see you fail, and this is what they're doing. This is they're 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 just um, completely in um, yeah laying it on them, right? They're saying destroy it. They yell level it to the ground, and so they're watching this picture. And I don't, I just don't understand that why they would they would um, have that level of spite, but they did. But then we see kind of the psalmist they they begin to respond and they lash out at Babylon and they say and this is part is kind of crazy but I want you guys to remember that there was no Geneva convention uh convention like there was no <laughs> rules of engagement there was no like today when we have war there's certain things that we've you know we've we've uh we've made agreements that we're not going to do chemical warfare because we saw in World War 1 how horrible chemical warfare is we're not going to do mines you know I think they even said that using a flamethrower is not ethical. You know, they use that in World War II and burning people alive. So back then they didn't have rules of war, like anything goes, right? Anything, anything goes. And this is what happens it says, Oh, Babylon, you will be destroyed. 
Happy or blessed is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy or blessed is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Wow. You can't, you know, you can almost hardly believe that this is in here. But, and this is, this sounds very brutal. If if you think about it, this is, they're like praying or they're just saying, you know, like, man, like we would love to see your children and your babies just smashed and killed. Uh, but really what's happening is, is that's what happened to them, right? Like many of their children, you're just thinking about the journey they had to make from Judah, from, from Jerusalem in order to go to modern day Iraq, um, very, very uh, long. And so most likely their children were killed, their babies were smashed or decapitated just in horrible graphic ways. Um, and that's why war is, is just such a terrible, terrible thing. It's a terrible picture and it's, and it's not, um, the psalm is not holding anything back, right? I mean, you don't see anybody with this verse on their wall. I mean, <laughs> no. or a church, you know, like, you know, happy is the one. In a section, I have it written down. <laughs> yeah, happy is the one takes your baby and smashes them against the rocks. And, and yet, this is what they feel like, right? And feelings are neither good nor bad. You know, even though this is pretty dark, they're, they're laying it out. They're laying it out there before God. Yeah. Because this is what happened, right? And you could kind of almost um, imagine their their imagine them and just thinking of like, well, how did God allow this to happen? You know, He saw this happen. Why would He? Why would He do this, right? You, you can just feel that, and and they want that so bad that. Uh, and I just want to close with this. You know, the difference between vengeance and justice is that you know, vengeance is we want payback. You know, from to uh, we want payback. Uh, to our enemies, right? We want we want to get even with them, and it's usually in our timing, in our way. But justice is when we allow God to to do that for us, right? Mm-hmm. He's a God of justice. He He will not let the guilty go unpunished. But there's a fine line between that, and we can kind of, you know, see that, right? We can kind of discern that, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, as they're as they're here, like very, I mean blowing up with anger we we got to remember that this is in in prayer like everyone experiences anger it's completely normal emotion it's healthy within its limits it seems like this is like outside of the limits but this is in prayer but but as we know anger it, it can be a big problem it's in a lot of a lot of households a lot of um, kids growing up have issues because of the anger that they've experienced that you know the, the results of, of anger but when is anger healthy? I want to hear from you guys in the chat as well. You, you are our friends who are viewing this and also our, our panel. When is anger healthy? And then when does it become unhealthy or, or even harmful? I, I want to hear from you, J-Rod, first. What, what do you have to say? Well, it's unhealthy when you're harming other people emotionally, mm-hmm. spiritually, or physically, when it takes you to a level when you can't control or they say when you hit red, I've hit red a couple of times in my life where it kind of turns into a level where you have no idea what's going on. So when you can't control it, it's unhealthy. Uh, when it is healthy is when it forces you to make some wholesale changes in whatever situation that's going on, whether it's with your kids or finances or in a, a relationship or even at work. I know there was a moment where I was struggling at a job and it was creating so much pain the only solution was is to quit go put myself into a little bit of hardship uh talked about the wilderness a couple weeks ago but on the end that that anger or that frustration got me into a better place
Okay. Yeah. Dustin, how about you, man? Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with the, the unhealthy things when you, you harm other people or you bring harm to yourself and just hit that, that boiling point. But, you know, healthy anger, I think, is key because um, by getting into the healthy part of anger, kind of what Jared's talking about, we're able to observe and experience it without overwhelming us. So we, we begin to look at these keys of what's going on, what's went wrong, and then we can start to see how we're supposed to not get overwhelmed and react to it. So we use anger as a signal to explore feelings, thoughts, and sensations that precede it. And that can kind of help develop a strategy. It can help you get away from hitting that boiling point before long. And you can learn the keys of, of this is where it's getting too far and I need to ask for help. So it gives you a strategy how to move past hitting that that scene red zone that Jared's talking about. It also teaches you how to forgive others and uh, forgive yourself. Yeah, I think you guys have mentioned a lot of like the the good points about maybe the harmful effects and unhealthy effects of, of anger. Um, and there's some good stuff in the chat we'll look at in a second. I, I also think like anger can be healthy. If we aren't as Christians or as just human beings angry about certain things that are, that are happening in our world, like there's something wrong. There's something that is shifted in our minds that, that we've accepted that it's okay. Like racism is wrong and, and we should be angry about that. Like uh, children dying is wrong. We should be angry about that. Like sexual trafficking is wrong. We should be angry about all of these things that are not right. But how we, we work through and channel that anger and, and move it into a, a way that is healthy is extremely important. What, what did people have to say in the chat, Dustin? Um, Harold's saying unhealthy is when you take the place of God. That's really well said. Uh, and that ties back to what Barnett was saying. Um, we also have Sylvia. She has some great knowledge. I always love when she shares. Uh, she believes it's okay for a short time of this anger. I'm assuming if it's a righteous anger and you're not sinning, it's unhealthy when you're consumed by it. Yeah. One of the beautiful things I love about the 150 Psalms in the Bible is, like you said, Jeremy, it helps us deal with things appropriately. I mean, you generally don't want to, you know, I, I've been so mad at God, maybe even using unhealthy words, but God responds to it. He's not afraid of my unhealthy mindset. He just wants me to deal with it. And I love this, that we can get into a, a Psalm like this and show that there are emotions that sometimes seem to stretch the bounds of what Christians should be, but it's healthy and because it's in the Bible and it shows us uh, interesting ways to deal with it or understand that it's part of life. I think it's honest too. And I think it's, it's the reason why the, this Psalm is so striking is that it's so brutally honest. Uh, what the Psalmist, what the speaker is praying to God is what they like are experiencing this, this tremendous pain. And so like, I think sometimes, like I said before, we come to church and act like everything's okay for a little bit because we don't want people to get into the nitty gritty. We don't actually want God to get into the nitty gritty in our lives and make some changes. But, you know, people can express their, their anger through words and actions, art, you know, in, in any number of ways. But do you personally uh, express your anger in any healthy ways? And if so, what do you do? I, I want to hear from you in the chat. And I also want to hear from the panel what what helpful ways you have. You kind of mentioned some of them earlier, but what do you think might happen if you never expressed your anger? So go ahead, Dustin. If you never express your anger... In a healthy way, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're just going to constantly go to the unhealthy way to, to show your anger. You're going to think it's okay to 
you know, instead of punching a, a body bag, you, you punch a, a person or you, you, you verbally take out this painful thing and you can tell. So I can tell when I'm getting pushed to the limit and to the, I began getting more snappy with Sawyer. I'll, I'll raise my voice when he does the smallest thing that could be wrong. And then I just harp all over it. I know right then that I've uh, at a place where I need to get some more healing in my mind. The same thing with, with Steph. If I just answer her in a way that's kind of pretty out there, it's like, I'm, I'm not regarding anyone else. I'm just caring about myself right now and I'm, I'm pushing it off. And that happens more often if we don't confront these things and these actions you're going to see yourself getting testier uh a, a shorter limit a shorter leash that way you can do and you're going to start affecting other people yeah. i really like the concept jeremy and i think you hit it for me a little bit uh, a minute ago which is if i'm not expressing my anger i'm not being honest with who i am and what i'm really dealing with and uh, when i'm not honest it creates a whole level of emotion and frustration and anxiety within me so i have to get real and honest and uh with my anger to to really deal with it correctly and a lot of times my my weakness is i sit on it for a little while because i don't like to be the bad guy i don't like to be the harmful guy i want to be the jovial friendly guy that includes and makes everybody's life a little bit more lighter or better or funnier but the truth is, if I don't deal with my with the frustrations and angers honestly, and it ter- internalizes and it creates all kinds of negative things. Just we were talking about grieving. Internal grieving cre- creates uh, frustration, anxiety, depression. It creates all these things, and it starts from not being honest and dealing with uh, our frustrations. And that's what you you were talking about. And I just wanted to say this: as we were talking about verse nine, where it's talking about smashing babies. They're doing eye for an eye. This was happening to their kids. They saw this stuff and it was a frustration. They were brutal. Like, I don't know, Dustin, I think was saying it. People's rules of engagement were like, hey, it was brutal. And so, yeah, not dealing with our, our, our stuff, honestly, for me, I know is a, is a big tool. And I have the ability to then uh, uh, verbalize my anger and see something good come out of it. Liz has taught me immensely about taking some time really thinking through it and uh, and helping me uh, process my anger. Yeah, I think for that, like um, one of the ways I didn't share before, but I don't know why we don't do this, but I was reading something called Emotional Prosperity, but talking about writing a letter to that person, but being as completely brutally honest as possible. And I'm talking about using language, if you want to use language, it's like anything goes, anything you want to write you write. Obviously, you don't send that letter, but there's there's just something about it when when like what Je- uh, Jeff was saying, that we're being honest with ourselves. We're being honest with how we feel, right? Because if you just say, oh, well, you know what they did is not, a, I, you know, I, I've heard Christians too, they just, in a way to kind of sweep it away, they just, oh, what they did wasn't a big deal. Or, you know, I've, just, I've moved on or whatever. It's like, no, you really haven't moved on. No, it, what they did was a big deal and you should deal with it and address it like it is, you know, just because you sweep it away doesn't mean it's going to go away. And so I think that's helpful. And that's kind of what I see when we don't deal with our anger. It comes out in ways we don't want it to come out. Right. You might lash out. Um, I mean, 
this is the the best example. The most angry people or the people that deal with anger are usually people that eventually become isolated and be, and they sever a lot of relationships. And so that's kind of the end result of that. Eventually you'll see that person um, sever all their relationships and they'll just be isolated because no one wants to be around an angry mm-hmm. person. Yeah. I guess right on, man. And I think also like just to say like, oh, I, I need to get, I need to be real or honest with like, the psalmist is going to God with their anger. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of, times like we can be brutally honest like i like what you said barnett about writing the letter and then not sending it but also not being just lying about it but i think like being honest is not just a license for saying whatever you want to say to somebody and make them feel pain that you're feeling that's not i think uh, a healthy way of dealing with your anger i think a, a healthy way is to bring it to god first and then uh cool off, let it, you know, do one of those techniques, walk, take a walk, punch your pillow, whatever it may be, and then come back um, clear headed and, and more logical in, in your approach. I think. Yeah, because, you know, I, some people believe they have a license to, to sin against other people. We're saying that today. People yeah. believe they have a license to sin against other people because they were sinned against. Mm-hmm. Right. And what that person did to you might have been wrong. But it's your decision and how you respond to that, whether you sin against them or whether you you go about it a healthy way. Right. And I, I'm just seeing that more in our society where people and that what happens to a lot of people who are victims. Right. They feel like they have the right to to now uh, sin against other people and harm other people because, you know, lashing out. But it's that's really just a way of like vengeance or just a way of. Uh, you know, making yourself feel good by punishing someone else. And that's not going to help you in long, in the, in the long run. You'll just be uh, someone that someone doesn't want to be around. I think it's good. Dustin, there's a lot of good stuff in the, in the chat. I just want to go over before we uh, close out here. Yeah, there's some, some great input. There's a couple people, uh, Courtney and also Jennifer, uh, who and Melina, who write those letters that are being talked about. Courtney journals journals a lot when she's angry, and that's kind of a way to get it out, and that's a way to really, you know, without really acting on it. And the second part of that, I love what she put, and I want to talk about this. I also think anger is a secondary emotion. Uh, she says, I get angry because it's easier for me to feel angry than deal with the root of the issue, which for me usually hurt or disappointment. And yeah. I think that's a key validated to move past. Um, Sylvia says not expressing your anger in a healthy way can cause physical illness. Um, Harold seconds that uh, biting, snapping responses are unhealthy. And let's see, like I said, Jennifer said journaling helps her deal with it and move on. Saying things to a journal rather than an individual often helps with regrets. And Melina is talking about those letters. Um, where you put everything out, it's helped her be honest with herself and it in turn helps her be more honest with God in her prayer time. I think that's a, a key closing statement she put in that it helps her get closer to God and open everything up. I think just to, just to close this uh, psalm out, this cursing psalm is super important. It instructs us to bring our anger to prayer, not to Facebook. Not to gossip, not to hand-to-hand combat, not to domestic violence or verbal abuse, not to destructive behavior, but to God. And, and by praying these fiery words of the psalmist, 
our complaints, our frustrations, the, the anger is guided back to confidence in God. It's real, it's raw, it's honest prayer. It's a way of bringing out our frustration in an honest and appropriate way before God. Because after all, simply denying the emotion, just burying it, it, it isn't dealing with it. You, you might actually be in more trouble if you actually feel nothing. You know, as, as much as we would like to remove anger from our psyche, that emotion that a lot of people mentioned earlier, we actually shouldn't because it would be dangerous to do so. In extreme situations of grief and anger, they're inevitable. They're inseparable. But the worst possible thing is is to feel nothing, especially when it comes to evil. It must be felt by the victims on behalf of the victims. Grief, rage, outrage. In the absence of all this, evil uh, becomes acceptable. And we cannot live in a world like that. We are, we are called to be the church and, and to step in uh, to be the light, not to let darkness thrive. Uh, but to forget is simply to, to submit to evil, to wither and die. But to remember is to resist, to be faithful, to live again. And I think that the Psalms teach us that profound change always happens in the presence of God. And when people pray to God, they are a people who are living in hope. And so what do you do when you're angry? I think, I think we should pray. So final word, gentlemen. I was thinking of, uh, I think you guys really kind of honed in on something important. The final word was mine was getting honest with God is like telling your doctor the truth about what you're really doing in life so that he can diagnose you. When I'm honest with God, he can work through my struggle. So it's the same with the doctor. If I'm dishonest with God, he knows, and the doctor is not being able to, to correct me. So. Final word, Dustin? It's okay to be vulnerable, and it's okay to show emotion. Uh, it's not a sign of weakness. It's just simply being real and letting God start to heal what's going on within you. I know for me, sometimes uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that have a hard time identifying their emotions or feelings, and just a, a prayer that you can take out of the Psalms is simply... The one that David prayed is, is oh, go, oh, oh, Lord, search my heart, you know, find in any, find, look, find anything in me impure or anything that, um, yeah, that I can't see. And that's just a prayer that's helped me because we have the Holy Spirit living in us and he can um, identify and reveal to us why some of the root issues, right? Like someone, I think in the comments mentioned that a lot of times with anger, there's always a root issue. Maybe it's a disappointment or something else and so sometimes we're not aware of those root things and that can be very helpful absolutely well thank you guys so much thank you to our wonderful panel and also thank you to everyone checking in on the chat uh, joining us live on facebook thank you so much and we will see you next week as we continue with another psalm but do join us on sunday and all throughout the week we got a lot of fun stuff happening so uh just remember to take that that anger to prayer Thank you so much, everybody. Jeff, Dustin, and Jeffrey Barnett, who's soon to be married. We will see Woo! you.